This should be played at high volume, preferably in a residential area. Live and local from the 1037 The Game Studios in Upper Lafayette. This is Acadiana's number one sports station, 1037 The Game. Streaming live at 1037thegame.com and on the free 1037 The Game mobile app. It's Saturday. Time to take a walk on the wild side. Get your Saturday started with an inside look under the dome with the world famous CD. Do you know who I am? I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. On 103.7, the game. Finally, under the dome with CD after a week off. Not suspension. We didn't get suspended. Don't worry. Mind you, I'm surprised we haven't gotten suspended for some of the controversial hot takes that have been popped off on this show. But Under the Dome is officially back on the airwaves to kickstart your New Year off. Right, Merry New Year. Happy Holidays. Hopefully you had a great one. And hopefully you didn't necessarily partake too hard. You might be suffering from a little bit of a two-day hangover. And I might be coming in a little bit too hot. For you. So hopefully you're enjoying yourself on this Saturday afternoon. We're with you from 11 to 1 today. Leading you up to LSU men's basketball. Looking to make it six straight over in Gainesville. Looking to take down the Florida Gators. Honestly, I'm surprised they haven't called themselves the Florida men yet. Because honestly, that's how I equate it. But hopefully you're having a good one. Appreciate you listening in. Be it through the free 1037 the game mobile app smart speakers amazon alexa google home or better yet 1037thegame.com on the old you know laptop desktop however especially on that old school fm dial 1037 the game make sure you check us out and make sure you check us out on twitter as well if you have any questions comments whatever hit me up at 1037 the game at clint domingue c-l-i-n-t-d-o-m-i-n-g-u-e and it's been busy the last, like, let's say, 10, 15 minutes. So we're going to get to that probably in a little bit later on in the program. But I'm going to go ahead and just, just hit these topics off real quick. Tom Herman gone as the head coach of Texas. He got the shove off, and now they're going to bring on Sark after dark. Apparently reports are saying that's the way they're going to go. So Sark Napier 2021 being a season opening contest. That's going to be a hell of a lot of fun. Texas Cajuns are going to open up the season, probably two top 25 programs, probably going to be a ABC matchup. I wouldn't be surprised that that's an 11 a.m. ball game, to be quite honest with you. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Then we got the news coming out not too long ago, back, in fact, about 10 minutes ago, involving, obviously, Alvin Kamara with COVID-19. He's out, but also the entire running back room is OWT out for this contest that means you're going to be without mark excuse me latavius murray and a lot of other players we're going to talk about that and so much more with the guy ross jackson at 12 30 ty montgomery getting the call up and also he's getting moved from wide receiver and they're calling him a practice squad running back to fill that void honestly i'm surprised they haven't tried to hit up deuce mccallister no he's probably out there getting COVID tested be able to be calling the games why not? I, I'm at least saying, like, I'd be interested to see if that was at least something that was 
talked about. I know it's been a long time since he's been out on the field. But, you know, just something, at least the Saints fan, the guy that really grew up in his teenage years watching Deuce McAllister do his thing and always loving what he did, probably my favorite. I mentioned it a while back during the COVID pandemic early on when I did the Fade 5 gimmick. Thank you, Alan Michael, for letting me rip that off. But it was the fact that he is probably my all-time favorite Saints player. But enough about that, because trust me, I've got about two hours to get to that. We're going to talk about it a lot throughout the program. But right now, I want to get down to brass tacks and what's causing all this. And what is making me in such a great mood right now with the Saturday Sports Sermon. The famous CD is on his soapbox to start your Saturday. It's time for your Saturday Sports Sermon. The city of Lafayette, Louisiana, ended this absolute dumpster fire of a year on the absolute highest note possible with not one, not two, not three, but four quattro state titles. Yes, you heard me right. Four state titles for the Acadiana area, for Lafayette, Louisiana, and also in turn the Acadiana area. It's a moment that we should have known was going to happen someday, especially with the select not select. I'll get to that in a minute. But when you look at the absolute history of the LHSA dating back to 1915, it's been a long time. It's been a rare event for the Hub City to do it, regardless of the venue, be it in the Superdome, the Eye Bowl. Or eyeball listening, Independence Stadium in Shreveport, that dump of a stadium. And then we've also got, obviously, this year at Turpin Stadium in Natchitoches. Before the split, there are only three state champions from the city of Lafayette, the parish of Lafayette, Louisiana. That was Karen Crow in 92 and Acadiana in 2006 and 2010. The Acadiana area as a whole was good when you look, it, it, we get down to brass tacks again. Jennings, Notre Dame, Pro Bridge 1 1, Vermillion Catholic 1 1. So, you know, there's so much great talent all the way around in the Acadiana area, and there has been for quite a while. But it paled in comparison to the Westman Rose, the Evangels, the John Curtis of the world, especially when you start back in the 90s when things started to get formed a certain way where you had, you had the, the five A's and all these different programs from 90, 92, 91, 92 until today. At, since the selection, since the select non-select split happened, Acadiana High has come away with four titles. Lafayette Christian Academy has won four straight state titles spanning two different divisions, SCMS 3, and then Carrico got their one on Tuesday night. On Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, the Acadiana area did something that I felt like was never going to happen. And that was going full-blown Wendy's with the 4 for 4. Which, by the way, is an underrated deal, to say the least. But think about it. That's four state titles, and all of them are just absolutely amazing to think about. The Acadiana area racked up all these titles and are bringing them back to their area beating a lot of great programs, which we'll get to in a second. And yes, there's some debate about the select, non-select stuff, but we need to count them. There's, there's no asterisk behind any of this. Because it's like the kids that the kids and the coaches have no decision in this whole select, non-select stuff to play this 
in this construct. I hope one day soon we can get this put back together. But much like Humpty Dumpty, it'll require all the king's horses and all the king's men, but it might not be put together the same way again. Since the toothpaste is already out of the tube and a lot like kayfabe and pro wrestling, it's hard to put that back in that toothpaste tube. You can't take away what this season has meant for the city of Lafayette to see four of their best bringing back the hardwoods in the Hub City, especially after all the unknowns about this COVID season. By the way, I hope we never mention COVID again come the 2021 football season. Will we? Probably. Is, mind you, I'm just hoping 2021 doesn't make us look back in hindsight of 2020 being better. We don't want that. 2021, you have one job, and it's be better than this year. You're not doing a great job so far, but, you know, you've got you have plenty of time to bounce right back. But when it comes down to it, once the dust settled on Wednesday night, I looked back at how amazing the season was. The fact that they got through this was a damn near Herculean feat, and I have to agree with RP3 in his column on 1037thegame.com talking about the fact that we reached the finish line. They got this done. Eddie Bone on crew deserve a huge pat on the back. And maybe 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 some dap as well. I'd say I'd say give them dap right now, give them nux. But later on, I'd say probably you know once this pandemic kind of slows up, give them the pat on the back. Is I think that'd be the way to go about. It. But obviously you know right now, give them some dap, give them some love because they got this thing done. They reached the finish line despite two hurricanes and a global pandemic that led to some teams having to leave. I mean. Look at the entire Lake Charles area, that whole area, which houses some great programs like Barb. Those programs weren't able to play this season. They'll be back in 2021. I can't wait to see what 3-5-A looks like with those guys back in it. But it felt like it was almost impossible to get this whole thing in. There was so much going against it. The pandemic was the biggest one, but having those two hurricanes hit virtually back-to-back and hitting the heart of the Acadiana area, it was rough especially towards the Lake Charles area. Several stadiums, Barb's baseball field stadium just absolutely got destroyed as well. It was rough. But now we've reached that finish line. And it's an amazing season in this area alone. Lafayette, Louisiana. We had SM go back back to back with possibly the most lethal quarterback-wide receiver combination in a long time, probably ever. I can't think of any quarterback-wide-out combo. That was more lethal than those two in Jack Besh and Walker Howard. Acadiana pulled off the repeat despite all the missteps they had against Alexandria in that state title game. Three fumbles, and they still came away with the win thanks to a good defensive finish in that contest. Yes, it was a high, relatively high-scoring game for Acadiana standards, but they still got it done winning yet another state championship. Karen Crow reaching the pinnacle with all the talent that they had this year. Kendra Williams, a Cajun's commit. Popcorn Prejean. Bailey Despania, two-lane commit. And all the other seniors. Tavion Falk. The list goes on and on and on. The, the absolute behemoths they had on the offensive line got it done. And they did it in impressive fashion all throughout the playoffs. They had an 80-point win in the quarters. Beat Neville. Slayed the beast and exercised the demon that is Neville. 49 to 7. Then you beat Edna Carr. You slayed the Giants. That was Edna Carr and stopped them from hitting five straight championships. The only other program to do that in the high school area, John Curtis. 
They're the only ones who have won five straight state titles. That's a, that's an amazing feat. That I think maybe Lafayette Christian Academy has a chance to do, but they stopped him from hitting that five straight. And then there's LCA who pulled off the Wendy's four for four, which is a four straight state titles. And they did all that without three-phase Sage in the semis and the state title game. And they still look good in the victory. It was a low-scoring 12-7 game, but it really speaks to how good that defense is all the way around. And here's hoping that what we all saw slash heard slash what we saw on Facebook Live before some jabroni decides to put his hand in front of a camera, you know, it winds up becoming more of a thing. And we see the Lafayette area teams as well as in the Acadiana area overall, because we don't want to forget those Church Point Bears getting that close to the to the pinnacle, getting that close to making it to Turpin Stadium. A lot of the Million Parish area teams that we frequent on 106.3 Radio Lafayette, they got they got so close to making it to the state finals. So many great programs. Lafayette High last year had one of their best seasons ever. In the last like 20 years, they were able to get stuff done. These programs are on the come up, and I'm looking forward to seeing how far this thing can go. Can they get all nine state titles? Can they make an infinity gauntlet out of all the titles that they've won? I don't know. But honestly, I'm wanting to see this area thrive unlike any other. This is their opportunity. This is their opportunity to take over the state of Louisiana. There's so many great talent across this area, and here's hoping it continues to grow in the next several years. Because that's what I want in 2021 and beyond for high school football, is to see this area really start to establish itself as the proving ground. Not to be the West Monroe's, the Evangels, the John Curtis, the there you go, Mammoth's going. How about that? But I want it to be this group that can thrive. That's all I want. It's all I've ever wanted is to see this area thrive and strive and everything in between. So hopefully you want that as well. Going to go ahead and take a quick timeout. We'll talk a little bit about the Cajuns. Well, I wasn't on the air last week. So we're going to go ahead and look back at their season that was. And hopefully you enjoy it. Be back after this on Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game and 103.7 The Game.com. CD may be considered world famous, but he still goes out and eats a shrimp po' boy just like the rest of us. Just don't talk to him while he's eating. Lay up there, I'm starving. Now back to Under the Dome on 103.7 The Game, Acadiana Sports Station. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com. And some breaking news kind of just popping up, seeing this right now, and that involves current LSU Tiger. Now, should I say now former, potentially, LSU Tiger with Eric Gilbert? It should be no surprise here that he is verbally, in his words, verbally entering the transfer portal. He also goes on to say on Twitter, I'd like to thank God, he means thank God, for all the blessing he, blessings he has bestows upon me 
this is why you always check your message in terms of how it's spelt out before you hit send. That's just a pro tip in general. Make sure you just check. And he since removed any mention of LSU from his Twitter. I think the I'm, I'm trying to see what the profile pic is. Looks like it's a still a bunch of tigers. So yeah, he's definitely still got that going on. But maybe it's just more to have that that lion mentality or pack mentality. I have no idea. But he's got to look at because he's the Marietta Georgia native, and he could very well be going back to his home state of Georgia, missing home. Because that was one of the big things that he talked about, being homesick in terms of opting out, also dealing with a lot of injuries. I'm not going to try and deride him for that, but to be honest with you, it's not a surprise to me to see him do that, especially after the year that he's had. Like He had a phenomenal freshman year, but it's like you know he dealt with injuries, he was dealing with all the bumps and bruises of a typical college football season, and more importantly, was missing home. I think that's probably a lot of players who are going far and away from their hometown. I just, I want to understand where that whole thing is. Like, I get it, but whoever's going to get him is getting an absolute stud at tight end. Now you wonder what's going to happen next for those, for that program. What's going to happen next for for LSU, who's going to be the next one to drop off? I know we saw Liam Shanahan announce that he was coming back. A lot of other players said, hey, we're coming back for another year. But is this another domino that's going to fall? That's really where I'm wondering. Twin Peaks hotline is open. 337-706-011. I don't mind drifting off into another part of the world when it comes right down to it in terms of the Cajuns and drifting back into LSU. Because, again, it just continues to be a headline this year. LSU just has not necessarily been like on great terms in 2020. Finishing five and five, and then you see this news about your boy, Eric Gilbert, a guy who was absolutely amazing for the Tigers. It's wild. And then this just got tweeted out last night. Congrats to Crimson Tide, 2021 National Chance to believe LSU back next year. I hope so, man. I, I really, truly hope so. But it's wild to think that that's where we're at right now. Is to see this program continue to have missteps and misfires. And again, we're seeing this pop up. As we speak, all kinds of breaking news over the last, like, 30, 45 minutes. The other thing being, all New Orleans Saints running backs are out Sunday due to close contact with Alvin Kamara. And they're going to move up Ty Montgomery to running back. He was listed as a wide receiver. Then they're calling up a practice squad running back. I'd say, you know, try and figure out a way to go get Elijah, Eli McGuire. Try and get him to come back to the to, to New Orleans for at least one game. He was jumping around so much. I don't even know if he's still with the Kansas City Chiefs on their practice squad. I'm sure you could try and pick him up and secure the bag. But again, we just don't know where we're at with everything going on involving the New Orleans Saints and Alvin Kamara. Obviously, one of the other big stories, Tom Herman out at Texas. It looks like Steve Sarkeesian is already in place to be the next head coach 
at Texas Coordinate Chip Brown of 24-7 Sports. But now let's go to the Twin Peaks hotline. Hello, you're on Under the Dome with CD. Hey, T.D., it's T. What's hey, up? T. Well, New Year, man. Merry New Year, T. How's it going, my brother? Uh, doing well, man. Um, you know, I know uh, Eric Gill was leaving or whatever, but and you're saying that, you know, LSU's kind of in trouble, and everything, but people forget that we had the best college football team in history in 2019. And, uh, you know, sometimes you got to rebuild. So, and I understand the kid wants to go back home. But, uh, anyway, I'll hear your thoughts, uh, and have a good day, bud. Thank uh, you. T, thank you so much for calling in, brother. And he, I mean, here's the thing. I, I have no problem saying, you know, that they had, they had the 2019 season, yes. But I, maybe it's just me and how, we perceive things versus like what we've thought about in the past, like several years, like how we perceive sports sports nowadays, because of everything going on, we have to like basically keep track of all the stuff. We have to keep track of every single thing that we're doing. It's what have you, it is a very much what have you done for me lately type of business in sports. And yes, he won in twenty nineteen. He won the national title, the greatest season of all time. Mind you, I think we can say right here, right now, that with everybody leaving, you're gonna have to rebuild. But it's all about what you're doing next. Because I guarantee you, if we see an LSU team with a full 12-game schedule. That's what's going to happen in 2021. I'm not saying it's not going to happen, but there's a distinct possibility that it could happen. That's really where you're wondering. Like, if they are 6-6 six and six and they don't make a bowl game and you got everything going on around the program and then you have the Title IX stuff, it really makes you wonder where what's, what's the state of the union right now with LSU and where things are. In terms of just in terms of football, because I think baseball they're in good hands. Basketball, you know, they're, they're looking good right now. I'll say that much. But obviously, the Will Wade stuff will still loom large. I just don't know what's going to be happening right here and right now. Also, seeing something sticking with the Saints for a minute. DJ Swearinger has also been sidelined by the virus, to be unavailable for Sunday's game versus Carolina, according to Jeff Duncan of the Athletic. But let's keep the conversation going. We go to the Twin Peaks hotline once again. Hello, you're on under the dome. Hey, CD, the fantasy dean. How you doing? Doing good. What's up, brother? That's much. Hey, happy New Year to you and yours. Happy New Year, man. Uh, look, uh, two things. One, the thing about uh, you mentioned uh, the Saints going out and getting Elijah to come in because all these running backs are down. Yeah. If I if I'm not mistaken, isn't that prevented by the protocol for COVID nineteen because it has to be like ten days out or something like that? Well, he, isn't that why Les Bell signed with the Chiefs, but he couldn't play the week that he was signed because he had to go through the protocol? Well, I was more talking about you know not this week obviously because that's damn near impossible. I was saying more for the playoffs because I mean you need to have more than just Ty Montgomery and a guy that is from the practice squad to be quite honest with you. So I'd say why not try and do that leading into the playoffs to make sure you can have somebody there just in case 
you know, Alvin Kamara, because I, I don't know if they've changed the rules of COVID protocol for the NFL because now, now like for us normal guys, it's a 10 day window. I don't know if they've changed it from being a 10 day quote unquote COVID jail to going from 14 down to 10. I don't know if they've changed that yet. I don't know. If I remember correctly, Lev Bell, like he got signed with the Chiefs, and he had to be, he had to test negative for like five days in a row, and then he had to be quarantined for like ten when that happened. But uh, to the LSU points that you were bringing up and stuff, what I saw as an outsider, I'm from Southern Maryland, so I'm an outsider yeah. looking in. Uh, it seems like. They just kind of caught lightning in a bottle last year because everybody seems to forget the fact that Joe Burrow transferred in and he wasn't a homegrown, brought up in the system from a redshirt freshman quarterback. He came from somewhere else, and someone else spotted that talent. He just didn't want to play, you know, second fiddle at Ohio State, and he went somewhere else to where he could play. So I don't see as much as Coach O has brought to the program. I'm kind of starting to see shades of less miles where there was no player development within the program. And I understand that. I appreciate the call, Dean. You know, by the way, congratulations to um, your prophecy of the Washington football team hosting the Saints in a wild card game. That isn't going to happen. But good luck. Uh, Tomorrow, with him, uh, Alex Smith being back at it again. After he, apparently his calf is more than fine. I just saw that pop up while you were talking. So conveniently, I'm seeing stuff about the about your Washington football team, and I'm trying my hardest not to say the uh, the old name. It's still maybe it's a lot like you know whenever I used to work in retail. I used to, especially at the beginning of the year, people would write like the previous year, like for instance, 2020. They'd be writing 2020 on their checks. I don't know again. I bet you in the promo video, who is writing checks in 2020? The 2021, I should say. Outside of maybe, pay, I mean, obviously, you know, if you're paying bills by mail, then yeah. But outside that, I, it's just very hard for me to see that happen. But again, we're seeing a lot of big stuff kind of just come right out the gates. Hopefully, we've caught you all up on that. Take a quick time out if you want to talk about LSU or anything else. Hit me up, 337-706-0111. We'll come back. I'll try and get back on track, at least somewhat, and talk about the Louisiana Raging Cages and the season that was. You're listening to Under the Dome with CD right here on Acadiana Sports Station, 1037 The Game and 1037thegame.com. Under the Dome with CD is a show for all the degenerates out there. You make your rules and we will break up. Let's get back to the famous CD, who will break it all down for us. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on Acadiana Sports Station, 1037 The Game, the 1037 thegamecom 337 706 0111 is how you get in on the Twin Peaks hotline. And it's interesting. I bring up the retail days. I get somebody who I used to talk to you all the time about sports. Go figure. I'd be talking about sports while at my previous job. And that is my guy, Drake, who's part of our fantasy team a couple seasons ago. Drake, what is going on, my good brother? 
Good morning, Clint. It's always nice to hear from you, and I did have to chuckle when you made reference to your days in uh, retail. At Shopline's. Uh, good to talk to you. Love to hear the show, as always. I just want to make a couple of comments, and then I'll bow out and just curious to see your thoughts or maybe some of your uh, listeners' thoughts. So you were talking about LSU and about the direction of the program and stuff. You know I'm a huge Oklahoma fan, not so much an LSU fan. And when LSU issued that, I mean, beatdown on Oklahoma, I've been following Oklahoma since I was a young child, and I never recall seeing Oklahoma getting their butt handed to them like that, ever. And I follow the Oklahoma program very closely, and, you know, there's uh, Jalen Hurts and all the talk about Spencer Rattler and stuff. And so, I mean, the, the game's out of control. And so uh, Lincoln Riley pulls Jalen Hurts and he puts in Spencer Rattler. And for those of you who don't know a whole lot about the Oklahoma program, Tanner Mordecai is quite the athlete on scholarship in Oklahoma, quarterback. I mean, he's a good player. He's a big time. Google him. So... The camera shows Spencer Rattler in the last, I don't know, handful of minutes of the game playing, and Tanner Mordecai, who is the presumably, or who was the number two quarterback, standing on the sideline holding his helmet with this look on his face like, you got to be kidding me. This freshman's in, and I'm not. I told, I was in a room full of LSU fans because they had to have their token Oklahoma fan there for the party. And I told them, I said, if I was at Ogeron, after the game, I would walk across the field and introduce myself to Tanner Mordecai and say, hey, ever been to Cajun country? Want to come eat some crawfish? Check out the campus and stuff? Long story short, Tanner Mordecai entered the transfer uh, pro, uh, portal. He is now at SNU. There's also another, I can't think of his name off the top of my head, another scholarship quarterback at Oklahoma. Again, if you're a, if you're a scholarship quarterback at Oklahoma, you're pretty darn good. He's, he is actually in the transfer portal now. I don't think he has signed anywhere yet. But, I mean, like your previous caller said, I think it was your previous caller, you know, he, he, LSU got lightning in a bottle when they got Joe Burrow. He came from another program. That's, that's a thing now to pick up transfer quarterbacks. I mean, if you go to a school like Oklahoma and you got Spencer Rattler there who's a, a sophomore now and he's the starter – I mean, what are your chances? I mean, if you want to play, you want to go somewhere and play. What a better place to go than LSU. They got a lot of money. They got a big-time program. You go there and you perform as a quarterback, you're going to look at Joe Burrow. Need I say more? The other comment I would make, and I'm ignorant and I apologize, whatever happened to the sex scandal thing or whatever uh, at LSU, and I'm not talking about Ogeron, his little girlfriend or whatever. I'm talking about uh, – you know, the, 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 with the players and the allegations of, uh, I don't know, I don't know if it was rape or I, I don't know what it was, but I, I think of the Big 12 when, uh, what's his name, uh, Broyles at uh, our, our Broyles. Yeah, yeah, he had the same situation. Well, we know what happened to him, and I'm just, I'm, it sure got quiet, and I'm doing air quotes, LSU self-imposed, uh, you know, they, they forwent the bowl season this year, which they weren't even going to a bowl anyway. Exactly. So. But, I'm just kind of curious. Uh, as always, it's good to talk to you. I'm going to bow out now and see what you have to say. Take care, my brother. All right, Drake, I appreciate it. And with, with Tanner Mordecai, he's heading to SMU. He transferred over to SMU. This came out on December 22nd. So that will answer your question there. But, again, again, appreciate it, Drake. When it comes to the Title IX investigation, I think that's still ongoing. It's not necessarily being talked about nearly as much because, obviously, we just don't know everything about it at this point in time. We're trying to like, – as soon as we get more information about it, you will know. That's all. That's what I'm going to say on that front. 
But when it comes to LSU, I have to agree with you on a lot of different fronts. The transfer quarterback market is absolutely where you want to wind up going. That's the way LSU went towards the end of the Ed Ogeron era because of the fact that you just weren't necessarily trusting of the guys you had in there. And some, in some cases, it probably was the right idea to get a guy like Danny Etling off the transfer portal. He did pretty damn well for himself. Then you did the right thing. You went up getting Joe Burrow, a guy who not many people knew about, but knew he'd be a heck of a talent because he was at the Ohio State University. You're probably pretty damn good. A lot like what you said, Drake, is the fact that Oklahoma, they are pretty good in terms of the recruiting rankings every single year. Definitely always considered to be one of the top contenders in the in the Big 12. That's where they're at. And that's where LSU should be, but it's an uphill climb. Because of the fact you got all these other programs that you're kind of just staring staring down at. You just don't know what's going to happen with this program. You don't know where this whole thing, where the whole momentum is shifting for the for the LSU Tigers. And I think there is a chance where you are going to be de- you've developed some solid hands in Max Johnson. TJ Finley looked good in his performances, but I think Max looked better, especially in those final two games. That resume alone is a big reason why I've talked about it. I think Max Johnson should be considered the front runner for the starting QB job in 2021. That's not a knock against Miles Brennan because I don't know if Miles Brennan is going to be the same. It's such a very unusual injury. It's not like an Achilles or an ACL injury where you know the time frame of recovery on average, you know how that whole thing goes. Having the abdominal injury and stuff like that, that is a very unusual injury. and You just don't know. It's a lot like the Drew Brees injury. Remember when he had the rib injury, which really wasn't that long ago, but then again, 2020 feels like it was 10 years. So who even knows? But we're sitting here, and we saw Drew Brees. He was out for weeks. He didn't fracture half of his ribs. It's a very unusual injury that you just don't know how this person is going to react and how they're going to be going forward. I think when we get to spring ball, that's what we'll kind of like, if we can get to spring ball, I'll say that much because, again, who knows what 2021 has in store for us. We're only two days in. We've already got a head coach fired. Sam Ellinger just said he's going to go ahead and enter the NFL draft at Texas. Steve Sarkeesian, the whole Alvin Kamara, COVID-19, the entire running back room is out. Who knows who else is going to be out for that game, but they're still going to get that one. I guarantee you that much. But it's absolutely crucial to see how this thing goes going forward at LSU, strictly from an on-field perspective, strictly from an on-field perspective, to see how this coaching staff is. Is it going to continue to be a inner circle? Is it going to be the group, this stable of guys that Ed Ogeron knows are his people? Does he go out there and try and land a splash higher? Honestly, try and get somebody that's a really good that's a really good ex head coach, and have them be a coordinator underneath them for a couple of years until they can say uh, that way they can say, "Hey, look at what we did! Look at what we did!" And they can want to go and get a job somewhere else, maybe at a group of five level. I mean, let's say hypothetically, let's say hypothetically, Kevin Sumlin. Let's just let's throw him out there. 
odds are he's probably not going to get a job with LSU. But let's say hypothetically, he's there for a couple of years, really makes that program look better as an assistant, as a coordinator, somewhere along those lines. It feels like right now I'd probably say, you have a better chance of getting Derek Mason in it as your defensive coordinator. I think that'd be, if you get him as the D.C., that is a huge hire. That is a monstrous hire because I think that makes this defense that much better because he's a guy that's more defense-oriented, and I wouldn't be surprised if he's able to turn that program around, at least on the defense side of football. The offense coordinator, your guess is as good as mine, Jack, because I just can't think of you know who would be available that can make this offense work well with a Max Johnson, a Miles Brenner, T.J. Finley. He's, again, I think T.J. Finley's got potential, but Max Johnson seemingly in those two games, a two-game resume he has, I was more sold on him being a possible future if Miles isn't ready. That's the key in all of this is how much is he ready for his 2021 season, his junior season part two. I'm just wondering where this whole thing is going to be. That That's where I'm kind of leaning on this. And I got a DM during the break. This is from uh, Darren, Darren F. on Twitter. Hit me up in the DMs. You can hit me up on Twitter at Clint Doming, C-L-I-N-T-T-O-M-I-N-G-U-E. Can you bring up the, that the Jags were a quarter away from being in the Super Bowl a few years ago? Now they're out of lock for the number one pick, so please stop bringing up the 2019 season for LSU. We're in 2021. That's a little bit of a different conversation, Darren, and I'll get to that right now. Jacksonville is a different situation because of how much of a dumpster fire that product and that overall franchise is. You look at what they had. They had so much potential. Even the couple years before the AFC title game, where they absolutely got trounced in the second half of that ball game by the New England Patriots, you saw a team that had so much potential for the last for the few several years when they were racking up really big draft picks, racking up some really good defensive players. And then things went to hell in a handbasket really quickly. I mean, we saw Leonard Fournette look like the Leonard Fournette before he left LSU where he kept getting injured and that kept hindering his play. And then we see some of the behind we hear some of the behind the scenes stuff, which I'm just not really going to get into because I don't know if have that's true or false. He's always seemed like a good guy, but when it comes to the team in Duval, they have been due to more because of the fact that the front office wants to push everybody out and wants to try and make this team the move to Europe. And thank God COVID-19 has shut that conversation down real quick. Like, and thank God there has been no Europe games. I'm tired of the NFL playing in Europe, Mexico city or whatever. If you want to have an international league, make it an international league, damn it. I'm tired of these like 9 a.m. freaking games. Like, I didn't want to get mad today. I want to try to make a New Year's resolution to not be as jaded or or bitter or, or somewhere along those lines on the show. But me talking about Jacksonville has definitely triggered me. So, yeah, I think there's a chance where LSU can turn it around because of the fact that you got so much talent coming back. You've got, you got great talent coming back, great talent coming in. Now it's a question of how do some of those 2019 commits, because, again, that 2019 class was touted, I'd say justifiably so, as being one of the better ones. The 2018 class 
was an amazing class. The last two recruit classes. Let me see where these guys are. Let me see how these guys pan out. His 2019 class, at least one of them, the five-star, Cardell Thomas, just can't get right. It feels like he is not necessarily panned down. We had him on the show. He definitely seemed like he had a ton of potential. And then injuries keep piling up. And it's just absolutely a busy Saturday morning. We're going to try and get to all of it right now. I was going to talk about the Cajuns, but lo and behold, everybody wants to talk about LSU. I think I need to realize that, you know, that's what's driving the bus here in this conversation. If people want to say, you know, I don't talk about the Cajuns enough, blah, 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 blah. I try and talk about the Cajuns, and every time I try, I get people calling in on the Twin Peaks hotline, 337-706-0111, Y'all want to talk about those LSU Tigers, the purple and gold, rather than me just rambling on about the fact that the Cajuns just finished their best season in program history. I'll get to that next. I'll save my conversation that I was going to have at the end of the hour at the end of the show. It's a quick tease for you. Because I've got some pointed thoughts about a certain survey that came out right before the end of the year. But we got more of Under the Dome at CD coming up right after this on 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com. From the octagon to the 20 by 20 squared circle and everywhere in between. world-famous CD isn't afraid of tackling any topic. Just don't expect him to get into the ring with anyone he offends. Finish him. Just bring it. Let's get back to Under the Dome. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD on Acadiana Sports Station 103.7 The Game at 103.7thegame.com. Hopefully you have a great one right now. Coming to you live Right now, hopefully you're listening in and you're enjoying the program so far. 337-706-0111 is, hey, get in on the Twin Peaks hotline. Hopefully you have a great one so far. And hopefully you're getting ready to enjoy just a plethora of things in 2021. Just like we've enjoyed 2020 in terms of college football with the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. And I'll get to my thoughts real quick. There's zero doubt in my mind this was the best season for Cajuns football in their history they exceeded my expectations with only one loss all the year, beating an Iowa State team that may have gotten a lot more love in the polls when the season was all said and done. But you have to think all this has resulted in the highest ranking for the Vermilion White in the history of our sport. And I've mentioned this a million times, and I was just think I was looking back at it. I was there when the Cajuns took the goalpost down in '96 against Texas A&M. Growing up, I hope something like that happened again and hope that the Cajuns would one day be ranked. Lo and behold, it took a long time, a very long time, to finally get to that point. And to get to that point is amazing in and of itself. We're sitting here talking about the Cajuns being 10-1, and ranked in the top 25, probably going to be ranked pretty decently in the preseason top 25. In 2021, heading into a game against... Texas opening up the Steve Sarkeesian area, era, which is going to be a lot of fun. But we're going to look look back at this season of 2020 for the Cajuns and say this was the best, but we think it's getting better. you got all these players coming back 
The sky is the limit. Space is the place. That's all I'm going to say on that. But we're out of here. Hour number one is in the books. It is history. So I'll talk to you. Hour number two coming up next. Ross Jackson coming up at 1230. And Bitcoin is absolutely trending right now on Twitter. I won't talk much about that because I don't know diddly poo about it. Also give you my picks for the NFL next. Right here on 1037 The Game and 1037thegame.com. Hour two next. This should be played at high volume, preferably in a residential area. Live and local from the 1037 The Game Studios in Upper Lafayette. This is Acadiana's number one sports station, 1037 The Game. Streaming live at 1037thegame.com and on the free 1037 The Game mobile app. It's Saturday. take a walk on the wild side get your saturday started with an inside look under the dome with the world famous cd do you know who i am i don't know how to put this but i'm kind of a big deal on 103.7 the game welcome everyone to hour number two of under the dome with cd right here on acadiana sports station 103.7 the game and 103.7 the game.com and oh boy, we may. Oh, never mind. I thought we had seen something about Michigan, but you know, this comes from David Pollock. He tweeted this out. I see and I've heard that Sark is the guy at Texas, and now I have heard that Sark turned the job down. What the hell is going on over in Austin, Texas? Keep it weird. Well, 2021, they're keeping it weird to start things up. But who knows where this whole thing is going to go. And if Sark did turn the job down, here we go again. Oh, it feels like it feels like Keenan and Cal. Oh, here it goes. We're going to start this conversation again about Billy Napier. Billy Napier Watch is going to start again. I hope we don't have to start this conversation again. Just take the job, Sark. Move on from your boy, Nick Saban. Just go take the job. It's an opportunity. Take it. Oh, boy. I just don't want to have to do this again. Like, I don't want to do the... It's like, oh, here it goes. Like I, We just dealt with this twice already. And I feel like we're not going to continue. We're not going to stop dealing with it. But it's like, come on now. Like, why are we doing this? Like, It's like... Sark after dark. We, we had such potential. And then it's like, nope. I'm like... Come on, man! Don't don't make me don't make me continue to be fearful of this happening. But if you haven't been listening to the show, Tom Herman now out at Texas. The Horns decide to give him the hook and get him on out of Austin, Texas. After last season, after this past season, after a bowl game, a couple days after winning a bowl game and winning it outright, it was definitely a good performance, way better than the game that was on. A little bit after, but boy, oh boy, you know, it's a mess right now with this whole story. But we'll, we'll talk about that maybe a little bit later. Right now, I want to get down to Brass Taxi and get to one of my favorite segments of the week. We're going to start off hour two with it. He's well got some thoughts on the college football playoff semifinals. Ross Jackson joined the program. At 
around 12.30. But now it's time for me to go ahead and make sure my picks are locked in for week 17. In the league where they play. For pay. We'll start up in Foxborough, Massachusetts, with the New York Jets traveling to take on those New England Patriots who have just been god-awful and are missing the playoffs for the first time in a long time, I think since the 9-9 took over for the 2000. And it's a currently eight-point spread. The three-point spread, excuse me. Three-point dogs are the Jets. Oh, but it was an eight-point spread. Lo and behold, the Patriots just haven't lived up to the height this year. But you got to think that the Patriots can end this year on a high note and stop the Jets from winning three straights in the year. Because, you know, the Jets are like, come on now. This is going to be our year Like that we were going to get Trevor Lawrence. This is going to be our year. I just got a text from a Texas fan. I'll just go ahead and say that. Billy, come to Austin. No, don't, don't put this into existence, damn it. Do not. I, I do not want that to happen. Damn it. Stop stop giving me hope. Stop doing this. We don't need this in our lives. Like, like stop with that talk. But, yeah, I got to go with the Patriots getting the win here over the New York football Jets. Then we got Minnesota taking on Detroit Rock City. The Vikings currently... Six and a half point favorites over the Lions. I gotta go with the Vikings here. I think they end the season on a high note, seven and nine against a struggling Detroit Lions, five and eleven to end the year. Hey, they're gonna get some decent draft picks out of it. Then we go to the Miami Dolphins taking on the Buffalo Bills. Currently, the Bills are two point favorites in the contest. And it's this one's tough because this is two really good teams, and they're both playing for a playoff spot. This should be Sunday night football territory. But lo and behold, we don't get a Sunday night football territory ball game. We just get this per, this contest. Who boy, give me those. Give me the Buffalo Bills. No one circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. I think they win, but I think Miami does. Kind of keep it very, very close. I'm seeing some lines it's two, some lines it's three. Bet online has a three. I think that would be a push if there ever was one with Buffalo probably winning with a late, you know, late field goal. And then we get to the Baltimore Ravens taking on the Cincinnati Bengals. Baltimore, 13 and a half point favorites. That line has not moved a single solitary inch. I don't blame them. I think the Bengals. Sands Joe Burrow have been a dumpster fire and they end their season 4-11 with a loss to the 4-11-1, and no four and, 11 and one, I should say. The Ravens come away with the win there to continue staying alive, staying alive in the playoffs. Then we get to the Pittsburgh Steelers taking on the Cleveland Browns. And this is like a wide receiverless group. Well, that could be the wide receiver group. Jarvis Landry is out. That's going to that's gonna be interesting to see how that whole thing goes. I think the Steelers do get the win. And the Browns, I know Ken Carman and crew over in Cleveland. 
They're going to be crying tears in their beers on Monday. And Sunday, too, but Monday they're going to be coming into their program. Sports Radio Cleveland's going to be fun on Monday. I'll say that much. To have such a great season, probably the first time in a long time. There's been so much hype around this team. And just, you know, things just, it, as Thanos says, perfectly balanced, as all things should be. Then we get to the Dallas Cowboys taking on those New York football giants. The Cowboys were three-point dogs. That line has flipped to one-point one point ball game. One-point favors, I should say. So, for me, that's a pick em. And I got to go with the Dallas Cowboys getting the win here. And it's all about what happens Sunday night. And we've been waiting all day for that Sunday night. We'll talk about that game in a little bit. Then we get to Atlanta and Tampa by the Bay. Atlanta just sucked this year. I think they end the season with a loss. And the Buccaneers get a win to stay alive in their postseason hopes. I think they're going to clinch a spot there. Then we get to the most important matchup for the Saints. That's not involving them. Green Bay Packers taking on those Chicago Bears in Soldier Field. Currently, the Packers are four and a half point favorites. I am definitely nervous as heck about this matchup tomorrow, January the 3rd. Yes, the Bears, Bears have looked good the last few weeks. They've been on a roll, winning three straight. They've beaten three jabronis. Uh, four straight, excuse me. No, three of their last four. But look at, what they, look at what the Packers did to the Bears in Green Bay, Wisconsin. I think we go with the Packers getting the win here. I'm sorry, Saints fans. You're not getting the number one seat. Prove me wrong. Prove me wrong, Bears. Prove me wrong. Then we get to Saints-Panthers. Saints, I wouldn't be surprised this line changes. Currently six and a half point favorites. I think that line shifts a lot. The money is going to be moving towards Carolina here. The opening line was five and a half. I think five and a half point favorites for Carolina. That line shifted to six and a half point favorites for the black and gold. I'll go with New Orleans. I'll stick with my pick that I have in the Twin Peaks Pro Pick'em Challenge. But six and a half point favorites. I think the Saints do win, but Carolina would cover that game. But honestly, I'd say throw, throw some ducats towards Carolina winning that game outright. I'm probably probably the dog there. I'd probably take them just because of the news today, with no running, but with little running back room. And Drew Brees just doesn't look like the same guy again for entertainment purposes only. Take Carolina in the points. In terms of my pick, I'd go with the Saints just because I, that's how I ran with to start. It's who I'm going to stick with. Then we get to the Jaguars and the Colts. Up in the Jacksonville Jaguars earlier, they have been doo-doo all year long. They're taking on a Colts team that's just looked absolutely great this year. Give me the Colts getting the win. Then we get to the Arizona Cardinals taking on the L.A. Rams. Arizona currently three-point favorites. Over a Rams team that looks like they have opted out. Give me those Los Angeles Rams getting the win. Surprised that's 
it's weird not seeing some of these games on the muddy Twin Peaks Pro Pick'em Challenge. Oh, there we go, Rams. I'm blind. But you don't have Jared Goff, good bleeping luck. Then we get to the Seattle Seahawks taking on the San Francisco 49ers. Seahawks, seven-point favorites. Give me the Hawks getting it done. And then we get to the Las Vegas Raiders taking on the Denver Broncos. Two-and-a-half-point favorites are the Raiders. Give me the Raiders getting the win. And in the season on a relative high note. And then we get to waiting all day for a Sunday night for the NFC East crown. If Washington wins, they're in. If it's if not, then I think it's the winner of the Dallas Giants game, which would be the Dallas Cowboys. And one Scooter Magruder would be absolutely happy if that happened. But I'm going with our guy Dean, the fantasy football league champion for Under the Dome. He will become the NFC East champion. The Washington football team in the 2020 WTF season, the WFT, are your NFC South, NFC East champion. What was that NFC South? Listen to me. But the Washington football team gets the win there. This is the way I see it. I'm going to go ahead and pull for the Fantasy Deans team in this game. I just saw this tweet out. Tweet come out. The air ends with Drew and Taysom testing. Positive next week in Jameis versus Rams secondary. Don't put that evil on us. Just like, please do not put this evil on us in terms of Billy going all to Texas. Please do not. I can't believe I said that out loud knowing there are Texas fans listening. My God, this is a mess. <laughs> it's, it's, it's wild. When we come back, I'm going to go ahead and talk a little bit about the college football playoff, how things went yesterday. No surprise, and then a big surprise in the nightcap. Top of that next, right here on Acadiana Sports Station, 1037 The Game, 1037thegame.com. Twin Peaks Hotline is open, 337-706-0111, 337-706-0111. Back after this, and I'm going to go ahead and dunk my head in some water. Most sports talk radio shows go up to 10 on the amp, but Under the Dome with CD goes one higher. Why don't you just make 10 louder and make 10 be the top number and make that a little louder? These go to 11. Now back to the show that brings the heat on Acadiana's Sports Station, 1037 The Game. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD on Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com, January 2nd, 2021. Man, that, that feels a lot better than saying, you know, January, the, December 33rd or 34th, whatever it would be, 2020. Way better. Thank God the calendars didn't flip to that date. But hopefully you're enjoying the show so far, 337 706 Zero one one one. Going to have Ross Jackson on in just a few. Talk about the New Orleans Saints, but we're going to talk about what's going on with the College World Playoff semifinals last night. And honestly, I was blown away by everything about the Notre Dame. No, excuse me, the Clemson Ohio State game. This was a game that I thought 
Clemson was going to roll. Because it's the fact that I was hoping that was the case. I should say that much. Because if we saw Ohio State win that game and possibly, I'm just saying, there's a possibility now that they could win a national championship but only play six freaking games. Six freaking games. Only playing six games. And they'd be national champions. Seven games total. Five in the regular season. I hate the word asterisk when it comes to sports. But that should have the biggest freaking asterisk ever. Ohio State should not even be in the conversation. Because they did not play enough games to get into the Big Ten according to the original rules. But no, the Big Ten decided to bend the rules and do that. When I was looking back at the year that was, one of my favorite interviews of the year was with Ben Stevens. You can check that out. I have the link up on Twitter. I usually do a year in review. Kind of looking back at my favorite interviews. And that was one of them. What are we doing where Big Ten country could very well be a national champion, and they only played six total game, seven total games, six heading into the national title game. I understand 2020 is a weird year, but my God, that should be an absolute slap in the face to all the teams that did play 10 or more that we see that team get in. It's a joke. It's a farce. And it makes you wonder a lot of different things. Is Trevor Lawrence cursed in the Mercedes-Benz Superdome? problem but the fact that you know ohio state is in the the freaking finals i hope alabama beats them by 40 i hope it's a bloodbath and they just beat the ever-loving dog you know what out of them beat brutus the buckeye down to make sure the ohio state knows that they don't belong in this conversation of being a potential national champion. Because if that's the case, then I think Alabama should just say, hey, we're going to go ahead and skip out on like half the season and just play conference games. Because if that's what y'all want, if y'all want us to just play six games, like it's, it's frustrating to me. Like that y'all just basically opted out of playing Michigan. Y'all, Y'all probably going to beat Michigan by 30, but y'all didn't play Michigan. But here we are, and we're talking about Michigan potentially being a national champion. Ohio State, excuse me, the Ohio State University. It's maddening. And mind you, we almost got that on Wednesday. Alexander, and you know, again, Alexander, this was a this was like very much a year of turbulence. I think. Alexander only played like four games in the regular season and almost won a state championship. Now, again, 2020 high school football, it's a different story because so much stuff goes on with that team and the, and the regular season, the playoffs and all that stuff. But it's very much infuriating to see that go on with Ohio State almost being a national champion. We'll go to the Twin Peaks Hotline. Hello, you're on Under the, under the Dome. Yes, uh, I want to get back to something you said about 10, 15 minutes earlier about uh, Steve uh, Sarkeesian. If the uh, reports are true, I know you um, mentioned that uh, Pollock uh, said that he turned it down. Let's say that he took the job, hypothetically. Uh, could you see Napier being the next OC at Alabama? 
since he has ties in Alabama, and he turned down a lot of uh, significant, you know, offers. But I know there were some situations with Auburn, you know, not not having the reins, you know, not having the control to do what they want. But could you? And I'm gonna hear your thoughts on him. Uh, thank you, uh, Mike Show. But uh, could you see him leaving the program to become the uh, OC at uh, Alabama? Thank no, you. no, I, I don't see him going back to Saban. Like, I understand where, where you're coming from here, but I think a guy like like Billy Napier wants to be a head coach at a Power Five program now. He's he's seeing what he can do. I think he he's gonna have to once again pull a wolf of Wall Street and say, I'm not believing. I think that's what it's going to come down to. Is Billy Neighbors is going to have to do a video and say he's not believing for people to get off his damn back. Because it just feels like every time we see a firing, immediately Napier's name comes up. And Steve Sarkeesian reportedly turned down the job. So, I mean, I think that if he turns, if he goes just down to the OC route, I just don't see that. I see him taking his culture, he's. if he proves himself to be a great head coach, why would he go down to an offensive coordinator? An offensive coordinator job, especially at Alabama, I mean, that Alabama, they basically turn out offensive coordinators and they turn them to head coaches. It's, I hate to say this because it, the, the, basically I'm trying to think of the word right now, basically because the, the connotations of the, of the phrase it's celebrity rehab. Alabama, for the most part, is celebrity rehab. Look at all those coaches. Steve Sarkeesian. Steve Sarkeesian was dealing with alcoholism in the Pac-12. He was dealing with that for years and dealt with that. He got fired from his job at USC. He's been under the coaching tree of Nick Saban, and he's rehabbed his image. He's cleaned up. He's sober. And more power to him, because I'll, I'll say this. I don't drink. I don't smoke. Never really have. I've tried it. I've never liked it. That's full disclosure there. But anybody that can beat that and, and get sober and stay sober, I have mad props for them. That is awesome. So congrats to Steve Sarkeesian for, for beating those for kicking those habits and beating those demons. And I hope he does get a head coaching job down the road. But for me, it just feels like to a certain extent, a lot of those head coaches, they've had some bad juju, some stigma about them, but they go to Alabama and coach underneath Saban for a couple of years and learn underneath the system and boom, they get hired or even a year in some cases. That's kind of where I'm at in all this. It's the fact that Steve, but Billy Napier, Billy Napier doesn't need an image overall to go get a head coaching job. Billy Napier can go get a coaching job right now, today at a bunch of other programs. They fired their coach today. If Ed Ozer was fired today, hypothetically speaking, I'm not wishing it, but if it does, if it would happen, LSU would be calling him first, probably. Would he take the job? Probably not. But he'd be a guy that we'd be talked to. USC, UCLA, Stanford, the Cardinal. The Cardinal would be calling him up. Washington. If Jim Harbaugh was fired today, He'd get a call. I guarantee you, any college worth their salt, he would be in consideration for a lot of the jobs because of the, what he's done. But I don't think he's stepping down to a OC job. It just doesn't feel like that's 
his trajectory to go from because and I'll admit it, I'm the person that's definitely kind of like jumped on the conversation of you know we're gonna go ahead and play our game the right way we're gonna go ahead and and do this like I just don't see that I see maybe some other former head coaches somewhere go get a job so it just there's a lot of questions and of course this is all rumor and innuendo I mean the whole thing about the firing of Tom Herman that's official but the rumor and innuendo about Steve Sarkeesian that's all it is at this point I'm just wondering if Billy Napier is going to be in that conversation of being the next head coach I don't see him taking it I don't see him taking it until you see, like, because look at it. I mean, the coaching history for Texas, off the top of my head, I mean, you've had a lot of history at Texas, and it's just wild to see how many head coaches they've had over the last, like, decade. Just the last decade. Since Mag Brown was fired in 2013, you went from Charlie Strong, who very much underperformed, 16-21, and 21, to a 23-13 and 13 career for Tom Herman, that went from 2017 to 2021. You had Mac Brown there from 1998 to 2013 with a national championship to boot a Paul Bryant and a Bobby Dodd Coach of the Year award alongside it. Just in the last six freaking years, no, seven years, excuse me, because, of course, this happened today, that's a very slippery slope, and I think, you can't just have it be a coaching turnstile, like in that sense. And it's not like when you see guys like you know Hugh Freeze, uh, Gus Malzahn, all kind of, and Brian Harson now at uh, Auburn. Interesting, kind of see that whole because Gus Malzahn came from Arkansas State to Auburn. Brian Harson went to Boise State from Arkansas State, and now he's at Auburn. Six degrees of separation. And also you got him a Hugh Freeze going from Ole Miss to being fired to taking over for Liberty Biberty and turn that program into a really good program, really good team. And the Cajuns are playing them next year. Who's to say Liberty isn't ranked after beating Coastal Carolina in the preseason bowls? But enough about that. We'll take a quick timeout. We're going to go ahead and talk with our guy Ross Jackson, Locked On Saints podcast, Canal Street Chronicles. And we'll talk to him about those Saints the COVID-19 stuff, and so much more. Back after this on 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com. The famous CD is a five-tool player of sports talk. He can talk about a lot of different things, even some soccer. Fuel Manchester United, I suppose. Sing the Manchester United song. Okay, maybe not soccer. Back to Under the Dome on 103.7 The Game. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on Acadia Sports Station 1037 The Game, 1037thegame.com. Let's get to the Twin Peaks hotline right now with our guy Ross Jackson, Locked On Saints podcast and Canal Street Chronicles. Ross, what's going on, brother? Hey, man, doing well over here. Hope to hear the same from you. Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year, brother. I've been having, I've been pretty good, you know, definitely been to keep my nose clean. And obviously, right now, everything going on with the Saints. Boy, oh boy, it's it's a lot to a lot to get to. But let's start let's start off with it. Alvin Kamara out 
COVID-19 tested positive twice on Thursday and Friday, if not mistaken. So the COVID clock starts on Thursday. And mm-hmm. now the entire running back room is gone outside of Ty Montgomery. Right. What happens now? Yeah, so you'll see Ty Montgomery move over. He's been spending most of his time in the wide receiver room with the Saints, which actually in this situation ends up being of the benefit to them that they will not have Latavius Murray, uh, Michael Burton, or Dwayne Washington also available on Sunday. Just to be clear, for Alvin Kamara, there's still a question mark about whether or not he'll be able to participate if the Saints play in the wild card game because that kind of comes down to whether or not he has symptoms and, and some sort of these other factors. For these other three guys, if they continue to test negative, they'll be back at practice next week. It's sort of the same Kendall Hinton, Drew Locke, Drew, uh, Denver Broncos situation, but for the Saints running back room. So, but thankfully for the Saints, they've had Ty Montgomery doing most of his work as a wide receiver when he hits the field, so they're able to fall back on him. Of course, he's a former uh, starting running back in the NFL for the Green Bay Packers, also played for the Baltimore Ravens and the New York Jets, and now have an opportunity to be in the Saints' backfield. He has one carry so far this season that results in a loss of four yards, so certainly They'll look to improve upon that against Carolina. Uh, they'll also elevate Tony Jones Jr., the undrafted free agent running back from Notre Dame, uh, for this game as well. He's somebody that I've been excited about since they brought him in as a UDFA. I was glad that he hung around on the practice squad, so I'm actually looking forward to uh, seeing him. He, he'll be a really nice sort of power back complement to Ty Montgomery in that system. And it's just wild to see all that like, happen. over. The, and obviously, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson also out. DJ Swearinger also going to be mm-hmm. out. So it's like... It just feels like this could be that lead balloon, if you will, to head into the playoffs with a loss. Just based off the fact you've you've seen like all these players be out due to COVID, it's like what's what's the next ball that's going to drop? Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, uh, you know, the the biggest focus for the Saints though needs to make sure that whatever that ball is that drops isn't at their own hands, right? I mean, if it's yeah. if it's them going out and and having to play in this game, then they're they're going to play it with the intent to win it. You know, so I think that that kind of becomes the next thing. The thing for, about the Saints is that you know if you decide, okay, well, you know, Alvin Kamara is gone, the one the running back room is gone, you're missing three safeties essentially with C.J. Gardner Johnson and D.J. Swearinger out, as you mentioned, but also Marcus Williams, who's going to be out for this game with injury. They might make the decision to fall back onto their starters. I mean, excuse me, to fall back and pull their starters from this game and then not worry about playing as much for the number one seed but then your backup quarterback is still a starting quarterback in the NFL. So, you know, like there's still there's still enough reason to expect the Saints to go in, regardless of what personnel they decide to put out on the field for this game, to go out there and still compete to win this game because they're also going up against a, uh, a Carolina Panthers team who, for different reasons, don't have any of their running backs available to them either in terms of Christian McCaffrey and Mike Davis. Anyway, we talk about balls being dropped. I mean, obviously, the one ball that we don't need to be dropped is the one that Taysom Hill holds. I think that's definitely what we need to yes, not have yes, to going please. forward. <laughs> please. I'm sure he'll probably get some snaps in this game, but based upon his fumbling issues over the course of the season, I don't think I think they'll come few and far between. I think they'll be very selective about when they make that choice. Talk right now, Ross Jackson, Locked on Saints podcast, Canal Street Chronicles. We didn't get to talk. The day after Christmas, which was probably the most disappointing part of my holiday, know, was the right? fact that we did, I did not have a show. We wound up getting bumped because we were having the NFL triple header, yeah, double header. I should say, excuse me, mm-hmm. the NFL double header right here on one of three seven the game, and then we had like a special one hour show to kind of talk about the Louisiana Raging Cajuns and their UTSA first the game against UTSA in the first responders bowl, which was great. But it was like, man, I wish I had could have talked to you about the Saints win over the Minnesota Vikings because that was without a doubt 
the thing that I was most looking forward to talking about on Saturday. Then I was like, oh, yeah, my show's getting bumped. I'm like, I can't talk about it for another week. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry that that happened. I know I, I wish that we would have gotten to talk about it immediately as well. But, you know, hey, look, it, it's still an incredibly prof- impressive performance a week later, right? You got six rushing touchdowns and an NFL record from – Alvin Kamara, and he managed to do it on only 60 snaps throughout the game. He was incredibly efficient and such a fun game to watch. And also just a little bit of pride, right, to be able to take away from that that the Saints also eliminated the Vikings from playoff contention. Feels pretty good. Uh, it's pretty good, man, pretty good right now to see that that win over the Vikings. And it was like so much fun to see Alvin Kamara out there doing something that almost had like almost breaking a record. But, of course, Taysom Hill's got to get that touchdown. Do you think that was just Sean Payton just wanting to – like, basically get Taysom Hill's touches? No, not necessarily. I, I think it's, you know, it's it's the game plan. That, that's the play that they call and that, you know, every every coach has a certain look, and, and we've seen it time and time again to where when the Saints get to a certain area in the field, we know what Coach Payton knows, feels like is going to work there, and that's the play call that the, the coach is going to roll with, and that's exactly what happened there. Uh, with, with going with Taysom Hill. But, I mean, look, as far as I'm concerned, Alvin Kamara still has the record, right? The sixth touchdown game, the last one that happened was in 1929 when football was barely football. And so I'm not really looking at that as he tied a record. To me, Alvin Kamara broke that record, right? It's a post-merger record. So, for me, that's a that's a pretty good indication that it, 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 belongs to, uh, it belongs to Alvin Kamara. We talk all the time about the 1972 Dolphins, but we never talk about the 1929 Green Bay Packers as an undefeated team, right? So that's sort yeah. of the way that I look at it. Yeah, it's more about the. I mean, I guess you could say like the Super Bowl era would be the official start of the modern era of football. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, we consider NFL to be a hundred and one years old. So it's like, I mean, (laughs) like which one are we going to talk about here? Are we going to talk about all? Like we could say like uh, of all time, but Alvin holds the modern era record. Yeah, that's what I would say. Modern era record, Super Bowl era record, either one of those. for me, which to me is it, it kind of conflates. If I'm being completely honest, like to me, if if the record stood beyond you know 1970 before 1970, then this is an entirely new brand of football by now. So I don't mind switching up and taking a look at it from those different perspectives. I mean, even like I'd say 15 years ago, like I mean, I'd say the, the right. sport has just changed so much. We see the number the 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 passing yard numbers are just astronomical compared to then. I mean, yeah. I mean, I can remember like I was. This is this is kind of me just going on a sidebar here for a minute. Sure. Is that I've got a bunch of old baseball and NFL cards, and one of the card mm-hmm. sets that I have, it's like it's, it's a top stadium club card, and it's they they would have like three thousand yard club, one thousand yard club for wide receivers <laughs> and rushers, and it's like I see a three thousand yard club card with like Dan Marino. I'm like, imagine what those numbers what kind of cards it have now where it's like the 4,000, 5,000 club where you see guys hit that with regularity. It's wild. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, a 3,000-yard season for most people is considered to be kind of subpar. At exactly. Point. I like, mean, four, it's four, weird. Yeah. Yeah. Like high 3,000, low 4,000 is sort of where you expect an NFL quarterback that plays all 16 games to be. I think that there are certain exceptions, right, when you talk about quarterbacks that are also dual-threat quarterbacks that will run a bunch and things like that as well. Obviously, that there's context to that, but a three thousand yard season for the most part is kind of ho hum at this point. No, it, it, exactly. It's just so weird to see that. But looking at looking at the Saints, the playoffs are coming up next week. The wild card. We don't know where the Saints are going to be in the wild card. I mean, mm-hmm. right now, I mean, who's to say that? So I said it on the show. Prove me wrong, Bears. Prove me wrong. 
about beating the Packers and the and the Seahawks probably going to win against the against the 49ers who have pretty much opted out of the rest of the year. A lot like me yeah, in fantasy much. football after week ten is that like I feel like the chances of getting a number one seed is slim to none, and Slim has left the building. But how do you see like what opponent do you not want to see in the playoffs? Mm, that's a good question. I, I think like in the playoffs all told, or just the wild card round. Just the wild card. Just the wild card. Just okay. Just the wild card round. I yeah, let's, go, let's go with the wild card, and we'll talk about the the, the the divisional round when we get there. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, I, I think that in the 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 wild card round, the team that I think I am most concerned about the Saints running into out of the three options that they have there, if they play, if they assuming they get the number two seed, uh, would be the Arizona Cardinals. Um, just, you know, the mobile quarterback, uh, variant, the, or variable, excuse me, the, the big receiver and, and, and DeAndre Hopkins. They, they've got some great weapons there. They have a, a really good pass rush there as well. So there are just a couple of things that match up really well against the Saints, both on the offensive and defensive side. So I would mention them if the Saints stay at the number two seed. If they go down to the number three seed, which is possible with a loss on Sunday, then I would point to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers just with having to play a team a third time in a season. I mean, they've had to do it before, before, man. They yeah, have to, they've true. done it before. But now, now I'm going to get to a little bit more lighter side questions here real quick before I let you go. Mm-hmm. First off, is Trevor Lawrence cursed in the Superdome? Uh, apparently. Quite apparently. I, I don't know. I, you know, it, it's interesting. I mean, I, I think that watching that game last night, first of all, incredible game. Uh, what an, what a remarkable performance by Justin Fields. Uh, who a lot of people were questioning after the Northwestern game. Then he comes out here and he performs the way he did against Clemson. Uh, whatever it is that's going on with Trevor Lawrence in the Superdome is interesting. Uh, and, you know, look, the the Jacksonville Jaguars probably going to be choosing him in, in the draft at number one overall. I the, the Saints won't play Jacksonville next year, but I'll be curious about, you know, to see whenever that matchup does happen in Trevor Lawrence has to go back to the Superdome, what his NFL performance look like in the Superdome and to see if he's just as cursed. Because he's going to be struggling with uh, an offensive line that was struggling the way that it was with Clemson. I don't have a lot of faith right now in terms of what the Jacksonville offensive line is going to put in front of him for his rookie season. Uh, so I'm a little bit concerned about him uh, for, for that being the fact. But, yeah, I mean, clearly the Superdome is just not a place where Trevor Lawrence needs to be played. All right, I know we got Adam Troutman. He's the guy of the future, but you think the Saints should get a guy like Jeremy Ruckert? It's an interesting question, right? Like, like they haven't, they don't draft tight ends that much, and or they hadn't drafted tight ends that much in Sean Payton's tenure. They, they took uh, Jimmy Graham, of course, in the third round, and then they went on this sort of dry spell on tight ends, and then they took Alizé Mack at the end of the the 2019 draft, and then they traded up to grab Adam Troutman. So. Clearly, they're putting a focus on what the future of that position is and what it looks like. And, you know, um, for, for the Saints, I think that they're in a good position going into next season. They very likely won't have Jerry Cook on the roster. They would transition to Adam Troutman, who just continues to show up in different ways here throughout the season. We've seen so many different variants of how Adam Troutman contributes to his offense, which is really great for a rookie, particularly at that tight end position. Um, I could see them maybe trying to bolster toward the back end of the draft that position, again, just to keep a solid rotation of three tight ends there that they feel really good with, especially if they're going to move forward with Taysom Hill at quarterback, right? Like if, if Taysom Hill becomes a quarterback, then you lose two tight ends going into next year because you would lose Taysom Hill at that position and you would lose Jared Cook at that position. So I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be surprised to see them really invest in that position 
either in free agency if they have the, the space to be able to do so or towards the back half of the draft, uh, you know, set day two, day three type guys um, to help bolster that. Alizé Mack, I can't believe you brought up that name. That that that's like <laughs> it, it's like Star Wars. That's a name I haven't heard in a very long time. I forgot he even right. existed. I thought it was just like some auto created name from Madden. <laughs> yeah, he ended up with the Saints for a little bit, and then he went over to the to the Steelers, and then I'm not sure where he is now. But uh, it didn't really pan out for him. The poor guy. I know he dealt with some injuries and things during camp, and then just really the offense didn't seem to click for him, and so the Saints ended up moving on from him. But uh, but yeah, it was kind of a surprise to see them go for a tight end that late in the draft, considering their their history of tight ends. I and mean, then again, they they draft tight ends two years in a row. So clearly, they're more interested in cultivating that position than they are reaching out for it in free agency, like they did with Colby Fleener, like they did with uh, with Jerry Cook. You just had to, you just had to like make me in a in a bad mood now. Like you brought up you brought up Colby <laughs> Fleener, like 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 the biggest like failure of a of a move we ever made. Like uh, Colby Fleener belongs like the the like I'm trying to think about it. So like you know how the mall used to have like the like band for life type stuff. You seen like the sitcoms and whatnot. Yeah. I think yeah. I think we should come up with a band for life list in terms of the the bad free agency moves. And I uh-huh. think I think Brandon Browner. And, and obviously, Colby Fleener are two that I could just come up with off top. Who else would you yeah. put in the band for life, like the mall picture that you would see in security? Yeah, Jairus Bird immediately comes to mind. <laughs> um, it, it's more so. It's more so about his contract, though. So if I could just put Jairus Bird's contract on the band okay, for I, life, I, I can I can live with that. <laughs> they could definitely throw that one up there. Um, who else? I think those those are really the three that immediately that immediately jump out and, and become most interesting to me. Could, um, we, could we count Champ Bailey on it to see if this Champ Bailey? Well, Champ Bailey never played though. Like he was just there for like he was kind of the, oh I know another one James Laurinaitis. Remember that when they brought in James Laurinaitis, um, they brought him in for camp and then that was kind of it for him. Champ Bailey with Champ Bailey, he at least like didn't make the roster. James Laurinaitis made the roster and yeah. then went out on the field and then just was not was not the Rams linebacker that they thought they had signed. I, I would love to do that, but at the same time, it's like, man, I, I can't do it simply because of the wrestling fan in me and knowing that's right. that's one of the that's Road Warriors' son. I'm like, yeah, I, I can't, got, I, I can't, I can't, legacy. I can't do that. I mean, rest in peace, yeah. Animal. He died earlier in the year, and it's right. just like, I mean, get, all right. We're going to substitute James Laurinaitis for John Laurinaitis because he deserves to be banned. No, no matter what, John Laurinaitis, the, the, his uncle. Let's put John Laurinaitis in there. James Laurinaitis can, can keep coming into the mall, but John, with his skateboard, he cannot. Yeah, that works for me. That works for me. Ross, thanks so like much for, th- Ross, thank you so much for coming on, my man, and dealing with my BS. Happy New Year. Take it easy. We'll talk to you next week. <laughs> Take it easy, man. I'll talk to you next week. Always a pleasure. All right, Ross Jackson, Locked on Saints Podcast, Canal Street Chronicles. And we're going to wrap up the show next, right here on the KDM Sports Station 103.7 The Game. You've still got a little bit of my BS to deal with. You say, you know, you love you love listening to it. We'll be back after this on 103.7 The Game at 103.7thegame.com. Just before we close up shop here on 103.7 The Game, the famous CD is looking to fire off one more take before dropping the mic. Is it going to be a hot one, or is it going to be one he'd like to take back six months down the road? Let's listen in and find out. All right, my one final take for this show today, January 2nd, 2021. 
has to do with a fried chicken by state survey that I saw, and it's it boggled a lot of people's minds. It's about the fact that churches was the top one, according to Louisiana, over Popeyes. And it boggled a lot of people's minds. Me and George and David Grubb talked about this a little bit, I believe, over the weekend, and I was just absolutely like flabbergasted by this whole statement. But then I thought about it. Just strictly from a chicken perspective, I controversial stake here. I think their chicken is a little bit overrated, to be quite honest. Everything else, you know, it's it's good. The fries are fantastic. Chicken sandwich is good. Mashed potatoes and gravy, that's good. It's all well and good. But just strictly from a chicken perspective, I think it's okay. Churches, I think, is a little bit better. Their their biscuits are absolutely amazing. I think church is a little bit better. I think I think they're they're the better one. KFC is kind of eh. Canes is good, but I feel like if you're wanting just a really good fried chicken perspective, just drums and all that, that's the jam. That's my jam. That's what I like when it comes down to it. If you have a different take, you know, let me know what you think. But that's where I'm at right now. You can hit me up on Twitter at Clint Doming, C L I N T D O M I N G U E, because I'm not done with the show. We are not going to – I'm trying to get the show finalized for next week, but I might be filling in for Lewis on Unprompted, which could mean just becomes under the dome for one week only from the old school producer spot from 9 to 11. We're going to try and finalize all that-ish later on in the week, give the update on the Twitter. Make sure you follow us as well, at 1037thegame. But, yeah, we got we got no show left to get your calls in. I should say that much. But we're about to get out of here. Have a great rest of your Saturday. Be safe. And I'll talk to you down the road.